Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans with four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this week's show, we review the Bears' 47-24 defeat away at Wasps in the Premiership semi-final that brought our league campaign to a close. It turned out to be a bridge too far for the Bears, but nonetheless an invaluable experience for this rapidly developing squad. All eyes now turn to Friday night's European Challenge Cup final against Toulon. Can the Bears triumph in France, or are we running out of steam at the end of the season? We'll also give our views on this season's home and away kits that were launched last week. Are the new Umbro designs a hit or a miss? I'm Tony and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well gentlemen, good to speak to you. Well maybe not the result that we were hoping for on Saturday but uh, nonetheless uh, wasn't it good to see Bristol in a semi-final playoff in the Premiership. Let me come to um, you first Lee. Um, just just sum up your how, how you felt during and I suppose after that game. Uh, it was a complete mix for me, Tony. Um, it was uh, absolute pride that we'd actually got there. I mean, start of the season, top six was was always the aim. So to finish third in the table was um, massively impressive for the season. But also, you know, at this level of rugby, so disappointing to finally bow out. But, you know, ultimately we've, We've had a fantastic season and um, we'll go again. We'll learn from this and we'll go again for next season. And, and Pete, your thoughts. Um, do, you, do you think that uh, Bristol team looked like it had a, had a, the extra two games compared to Wasps who haven't been playing the, the knockout European games and uh, were they just stronger or um, do you think they just outplayed us across the park? Well, I, I think um, I never really felt at any time we were going to win that game. Um, and I think perhaps you're right. I think it may have been a game too far for some of those boys that have put in you know, some big shifts. And if you think of those two extra cup games we had, we had some pretty strong sides out there. So a lot of those players had played in that. I don't know. And, you know, just the, the number of sort of turnovers, the mistakes and, and, and the cheap penalties... Um, you know, always felt we were we were chasing the game, and and um, I'm glad Lee didn't get to mention this, but I, I did think we got stung at the breakdown quite a lot. But when you kind of go back over it a bit, and I did spend a little bit of time today just going back over the sort of minute by minute, it, it is possible that you could create an alternative narrative to what happened on Saturday. Perhaps we'll talk about that later. But yeah, generally was disappointed, but. You know, like Lee, Lee said, fantastic to come third in the league, even be there in the big time, you know, competing for for something. So you know, we can't we can't get too upset about it. No, and, and certainly there were some points where you th- thought maybe things could have been different if if they'd gone our way. But I think you, we we've got to take our hats off. That that was a superb performance by Wasps. Um, and I think all over the park they they probably played better than us. Um, yes, we had some disappointing little um, turnovers, uh, penalties that we gave away. 
Um, uh, but but they they played well. They stopped us playing, uh, and I think thoroughly deserved their place in the final. So congratulations to them. Um, and of course they'll they'll play Exeter. Now let let me come to you, Lee. Um, were there any of the the Bristol Bears players that particularly caught your eye or, on, on at the weekend? I don't know. For me, Tony, I don't I don't know if anyone really caught the eye because obviously, I mean, it's all about our levels and that. Well, like Semi does, like a couple of pods ago, we didn't mention Semi at all, and he had a fantastic game. Um, I think. The, Collectively, I think we Pete was right. We were beaten by the better team on the day. Um, I felt it. Uh, we could have. I don't know. I I did feel that we changed our game plan very very slightly, almost to contain wasps, and it was very um, Bristol like in that respect. But I don't know if that's just my own personal opinion. I, what did you guys feel about that? But it just felt like we didn't play the kind of running game from the off that we normally do and yet we were still 10 points down fairly early so the outcome was the same but we didn't kind of approach it the same way Pete what do you think do you, do you think we changed our style or were we just not allowed to play the way that we normally do well I don't know I mean I, I think when you go and analyse it their, their try their first try um, which was just a bit of amazing skill from Robson outside of the boot flick. It had actually come from a really good defensive maul from Bristol. Um, I was watching it back again, and you know, they, I think they genuinely thought they were going to be pushing for the line. It got held up, and Robson just had a moment of inspiration. I mean, there was some suggestion on commentary that Piers O'Connor was a little bit slow to react because there was nobody on the blind side at all. They'd all come over, um, but really, you know, that was that was just a great bit. Of, you know, you can't do much about it. And then, you know, after that, we gave away two silly pens. I think Jake did a, you know, on an on a, an attacking ruck, he did a. a neck roll and they scored and then there was a, a random scrum penalty suddenly you're 30 nil down and, and you're kind of having to deal with the, the flow and I think I don't know I just I mean I've got to say going back to players I thought Nathan Hughes actually had a really good game I thought he really was really trying to get us on the front foot um, and he, he had a pretty barnstorming game I think the only problem with Nathan is that he plays one way and he hasn't quite got that finesse that can really unlock it. I mean, he did make some yards. It was, you know, it was down to him that we scored that first try. A little, he loves his little tap and go. And this time he didn't drop it. So um, he did really well. So ah, it's a real tricky one. I mean, you think about, we made some fun, some great breaks. You know, we, we stuck to our, our game plan of attacking rugby. I mean, that Willis try came from our mistake in their 22 when everybody yeah. went into a ruck, including Andy Arenn. And then nobody was like their scruff, and they just picked it up and ran. And you start, and then Sheedy, think the second half, we were, what, 23 5 down, it could have been less. Sheedy had a cast iron, we thought it was a cast iron try, he got held up by an amazing tackle. You know, then we scored after that. You never know, it was just, I thought we, we played all right. And I just think it shows that such fine margins at that level, when you're playing against a really good side, can suddenly amplify. Um, but yeah, I, I, still, I still think they were, you know, they were, they were. They were very good, and uh, they they pushed us very very hard. Yeah, for me there were two two real points um, where I thought the game possibly could have changed a little. 
Um, the first was actually when Nathan did take that quick tap, uh, and I think they talked about it in commentary that if if he hadn't flung the ball wide and we'd scored that try, yeah. that was almost certainly a yellow card offence because you know he was steaming towards the try line, and actually if they'd gone down to fourteen men for ten minutes just before yeah. half time. Um, you know that that could have been interesting. And for me, the other thing was, you know, um, Jack Willis holding up Callum Sheedy. I mean, that yeah. that just looked try. You know, I couldn't yeah. believe that the guy managed to tackle him, get underneath him, and hold him there. Uh, I mean, yeah. what a talent he is. You know, he's got his clothing chain. Um, oh no, that's Jack Wills, isn't it? <laughs> I, I thought I thought he'd done it. As good as he is, though, I mean, 43 turnovers. I mean, Pete, I think you've already said about this on the pod a, a while back, but Wasp do play play very, very close to the wow. to the to the to the line, don't they? And I mean, he is miles and miles above in turnovers again, mm. you know, with anyone else. So. It does make I mean, me think. If, if you've got that many turnovers, you've got to be doing something illegal. Yeah, somewhere along the line. <laughs> uh, or, or, I mean, he is an exceptional player, and he is—he is, know, he I, is he, class. He, he, absolutely, and what a future that guy's got ahead of him as well. Um, but you know, I thought those potentially were two points that, if if things had gone differently, we might have been closer. I still think they were they were overall the better team. And I know, yeah. I know we scored two late tries, but when you're cruising, um, you know that many points up, um, you know you're not going to bust the gut when you've got a final to to play for in two weeks. It goes weeks. back to what we've always said about you in these big big games when you know it's going to be tight. It's all about how you come out of those ebbs and flows, and I think. You know, we, we just didn't come out of them very well. Uh, sometimes a bit of luck, a bit of bad luck, whatever. And I think, it, it, it you know, it just shows that when you want to play those big-time games, you've got to be so on point the whole time. And I know it, we're not talking about this, but when you watch like, exit that game afterwards, I don't know if you watched it, but they're just so clinical. They just don't make any mistakes, do they? And, you know, they may have a slightly different game plan, and you may argue that our game plan, you know... <laughs> offers mistakes up because we are yeah. taking risks but even so that just there was just a few moments in ours like there was one where Andy Oren made a great little break and he went to pop it to Morahan and it just he popped it on his knee you know it's just little things like that you just don't think Exeter had done that I, and maybe that just comes with development doesn't it it comes with people getting so comfortable playing with the same players and all this sort of stuff and this is why it was such a positive day I think you know we're we're up there we're, I think even on commentary people were saying you know Bristol we're up there now we're at the top table we can't this this was the first semi for 13 years Wasps has had, have had five haven't they in the last yeah. seven this yeah, is just yeah. the start of playoffs for us and uh, and I think we you know that is that's why it was such a positive result really in the end is that it's it we it's not a one off this I think this is the this is this is the future the st- as I might have said in the another bit of media that comes out tomorrow it's the start of something special so we'll see and I think one thing for me I think you, you look at this team compared to last year and I think we, we've improved in in all areas um, and I think there was some stat that was on social media about how many more tries we've scored compared to last year and how uh, the fewer number of tries we, we, we've conceded. But there's one area that still, for me, um, we, we are not top six at, 
uh, and that is the tactical kick in and the kick chase. Yeah. I think far yeah. too often we we either don't kick, um, or or when we do kick, actually um, it's it's feels almost a bit aimless or we we don't get the kick chase right so we're putting pressure on uh, the opposition players and that wasn't just on Saturday I think that's throughout the season that's one one area of our game that we need to we need to um, tighten up on now one thing that certainly got uh, our little whatsapp group um, going while the game was playing and I'm going to come to Lee uh, for your very calm assessment of uh, Matthew Carley's refereeing performance uh, on the day do you know what, Tone? I'm I'm very reluctant to blame the referee because I know that it's it, it just feels like it, it's an easy out. But I mean, he really didn't have the best game, did he? Um, I mean, a lot of the calls, like early on, were were, were pretty shocking. Um, and obviously, the the, the was try when he was still actually telling our players what. <laughs> what the offence was given for and then the little tap and go. I mean, I, I've just never seen that happen before. And it's, this is top-level rugby. It's a semi-final. And I, I just thought, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I just felt that a lot of his decisions were were absolutely disgraceful, to be honest. Um, and, and I'm not saying that we wouldn't that we wouldn't have been beaten by Wasps anyway because, you know, full credit, they were a better team, but it certainly didn't help our cause at all, did it? Well, I think that incident, you know, one that he was still talking to two of our guys, I suppose you could you could argue that, you know, you, you've got to set up and be in position and be prepared for that quick tap, but he's still talking to our guys to tell them what the penalty was about. And then Dan Robson's taking the tap behind his back. I mean, he didn't I even know. he didn't I even know. see that the the quick tap had been taken, and I, I I was hugely surprised that he he let that stood. I don't think it would have changed the game overall. And to be honest, thank goodness, because you imagine if we'd gone down by five points, yeah, and, and yeah. the difference was that that controversial try. Um, you know, that really would have left a sour taste in the mouth. But you know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he had a great, uh, great game. I think Austin Healy for a couple of the early tries for Wasps had spotted infringements which he thought should have been blown that's, up. Um, yeah, that's right. There was a penalty that, that should have gone our way, wasn't it? For a bit that led to one of their tries as well. I, I think they talk about, don't they, that it's the picture that is created in the ref's mind, and I think that's what we've got to give Wasps credit for, is because they are such sort of borrowers at the, the breakdown if they create a, a picture in, in his mind that they're on top it, 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 it kind of goes away it, it, it is it is an art and a science refereeing and you know he what he was a factor wasn't he but he was there were 23 turnovers although you could argue that he was a factor in some of those turnovers eight you know eight penalties but on the attack i think the stat was you know we didn't help ourselves but i don't know i still go round to this thing of of pet scrum penalties, yeah, I just we got one and pinged against us. Foas went down. They went. Their bloke went down. They went down at the same time, as far as so, I yeah, can tell. And, and it was right in front of our posts. And that was one yeah. I think where it, it put them thirteen nil ahead. And I just thought this is it's, it's just cheap scoring a, a free kick at the le- at the very least. 
because it didn't appear to be, and you know, didn't appear. But then maybe we're not there. We're not stood right next to it. But that's not really Carly's fault. That's just a, a refereeing issue, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see that scenario happening. For if Wayne Barnes was officiating, for instance, I don't see that scenario happening. Carly had a. I mean, I, I feel I do. I, I'm like you, Lee. I, I'm, I'm a very. I'm very averse to criticising officials because at the end of the day, players make more mistakes in a game than officials do, to be honest. People, you know, how many times we drop it and all this sort of stuff, so you can't go too much at them. But I just got this feeling with Carly. I don't know, it's, it's something about him. He just looks like yeah. he's trying to be overly officious, trying to kind of stamp his authority. He looks like a little bit like a, you know, dare I say it, a geography teacher. <laughs> He kind of fancies himself as a bit of a sportsman, but never quite made it. I don't know where I got that idea from. And therefore is kind of, I don't know, I, I'd be interested to know what, what the, because players obviously would have views on different refs about, you know, their their ability, you know, their, their quality. And I don't know, he just, he had a little bit of a look of kind of, it's a word I like to use from time to time, a bit of hubris about him. Um, that maybe he, uh, he it, was a, it was a little bit, he's maybe the Mike Dean of rugby refereeing, but anyway, we'll I think that's a that's, so that's a per- perfect ex- assumption. Yeah. I think, but but obviously, having said that, we all know what VAR because we've been complaining about referees in football, and we all know what VAR has brought into football. So we certainly don't want to be going down those lines. Yeah. I think we're all agreed on that. Well, let's let let's just move on. I want to come to you each in turn about um, Pat's selection actually for this game. So first of all, let me let me go to Pete first. Um, and when the squad was announced uh, on Friday, were you a little bit surprised to see John Afoa starting and Carl Sinclair, British and Irish Lion, on the bench? No, actually, Tony. I think. That was because I felt Pat wanted to try and negate their forwards to start with and, and perhaps try and contain them a bit first and then kind of release the bench and, and try and give Sinclair that opportunity to be, a, you know, the ball-playing um, prop and maybe give take the pressure off him a little bit from his scrummaging. Um, so, no, I wasn't surprised, actually. I, I thought it was part of the game plan. Uh, it didn't work because he gave away a couple of penalties and stuff, didn't he? But I just felt that I do wonder whether Sinclair might be a better impact player from time to time in the second half when, when it gets a bit looser. don't know. Okay. We've spoken about this, haven't we? Actually, privately, we've spoken about this. And I, I think Sass has, I, I think Pete's got a point on this. I, I think Sinclair, you know, obviously we know Big John is... He's come to the end of his days, uh, rugby-wise. But I think Sinclair, as the impact player, I, I, I think there's a bit of rope in that. So. But do 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 you pay someone you know reported to be on well, five hundred thousand pounds a year to be uh, you know a spare bear on the bench to come on for for thirty minutes? Um, let, let, well, let, yeah, good let, question. Let, let let me come to you now, Lee. Um, the the other possibly slightly surprising uh, selection was Piers O'Connor on the wing um, you know I think he's been getting stronger since he's come back and put in some good performances but when you've got an out and out winger like Leua, um, you know were you surprised at that decision that we, we played a centre out on the wing yes yeah I was I was completely surprised by that actually because I mean he's, he's, um, as good as Piers has been in recent weeks 
I don't really think he, he is the solution on the wing. And, like, for me, obviously, we've got the perfect uh, perfect guy there who's, I mean, Purdy's still injured, isn't he? But uh, Leua could have come in. And I, I was surprised, actually, personally, I was surprised at that. Yeah. yeah. I think, I wonder whether Pat had been re- accidentally been reading... Sven Goran Eriksson's autobiography of uh, you know <laughs> play, let's let's just play some play let play players that are playing well out of position um, just because they're good and I think I I actually had been a bit seduced by Piers O'Connor playing quite well against London Irish so when that when that came up I thought oh no that's interesting um, but I think it, it showed a couple of times you know get he he was not quite at the races and and, and wing is a you know, it isn't just a position where you just get the ball and run. There's a lot of it's a technical position as well in terms of positioning and timing. And, 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 and Pete, I think Luau is a, is a is a more of a pro, so it perhaps was a bit of a mistake. I do think you're right as well with the with the the, the wasp uh, first try. I, and I think he appears that Connor was just slightly out of position, which obviously gave the gave the the opening to wasps. And and that's that's not any fault of his uh, of O'Connor's at all, but you know it's it's not his position. And we all know that rugby, you know, you you really need to. And he's been playing so well at centre, hasn't he? So maybe it was one of those that he's played so well that we kind of we can play him somewhere else. But it maybe Nuoa was wasn't you know had a nickel. We don't know. We don't know what goes on, do we? But. It does. We all we've always said this. I think we all we all agree, don't we? That it's always a bit risky when you start playing players out of position when you have a genuine player on the bench who may not be in your eyes in the top ten, but they're good at what they do. And I think you know that. That I just wonder. I just wonder whether that was a mistake. Well, okay. Let's let let's move on. I I I, I certainly raised my eyebrow at those two. Um two decisions for those two to start. I think I would have swapped them round the, the, the other way. Uh, but before we look ahead to uh, Friday's game, I just wanted to talk about the predictions. Obviously, I, I went for a win, so um, I, I'm out of the running. Uh, Miles went for a uh, 21-17 uh, loss, so um, got the right result, but not close enough. Lee, uh, you went for a 32-24 loss, so pretty close but the person with the biggest winning margin was Pete who went for 30 points to tell however however I I happened to tune in to the Jeff Twentyman show on Friday (laughs) night where um, someone renounced that prediction on air in front of the the thousands of listeners to the show uh, and went for a um, a, a Bristol win with a a shooty drop goal. So uh, bearing it, bearing it, we must say that prediction then. That was that was the latest prediction. Well, absolutely. Well, off both posts as well. Off off the post, and so um, I think that that negates uh, Pete's. uh, his predictions out the window, isn't it? His predictions out the window. So I'm going. I'm going to award the point to Lee. Uh, Oh yes, that is disgrace. And if if uh, Jeff happens to be listening to this podcast, uh, then I I put the blame squarely on his shoulders by leading me down that by by even quoting people on Twitter 
that had said that I was uh, I got it wrong as well. So I mean, what was but I supposed if, to do under pressure? If your prediction was completely true and honest, you could have backed it up and said <laughs> reasons why. Reasons why I well, believe this, Jeffrey. In my, yeah. my defence, he said <laughs> it's always very difficult to predict when you don't know the teams. And that, and obviously on Friday, I knew both the team lineups, and I genuinely thought it was going to be pretty tight game because it seemed to me that we had a lot a lot of matchups over the pitch that were good matchups so I thought well why not go for a Bordeaux style kind of game and and why not Sheeds we haven't seen a drop goal all season why not well there we are obviously just absolutely useless so you 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 just wavered under a little bit of grilling from Jeff Twentyman. So you, you've he's lost a bit it. He's a legend, though, isn't he? I mean, you know, yeah. I hardly disagree with it when he's basically telling me my <laughs> prediction was rubbish. Uh, I couldn't really, you know, he's, he's, I couldn't really say say otherwise, could I? But, he, so but am, I, am I right in saying this is an unassailable lead that I have now at the top of the table? That is. Lee, Lee's got four points. Miles and I have got yeah. two points, uh, and Pete has got Stitch one. Up. But I've got Get to your s- credit cards out, boys, because the, the beers are waiting. Because I've got to say that, Lee, actually, you've got the Bristol score spot on and you were closest as well to the Wasp score. So, actually, when you look at it that way, I, I think you deserve the point. <laughs> so, so let's move on then. Um, it is the Challenge Cup, European Challenge Cup final on Friday night. Uh, that's 8pm UK time or in France, it's 9 p.m. Um, and it's Bristol Toulon at um, the wonderfully named Stade Maurice David or if you were up in northern England it would be Stade Maurice David um, <laughs> so we get on I'm assuming a plane that we're, we're going to get there to the to the south of yes, France I know that for a fact too. Oh, oh there we are so um, yeah boys let's talk about this game uh, we'll come to predictions a little bit later I should say that Miles can't can't make it tonight I think something's come up on the estate um, he's uh, he's got he's got something to do um, but uh, we will be making a prediction on Miles's behalf Pete I think you very kindly offered to do that a little bit later on so thank you for that but f- yep. let, let me let me uh, come to to both of you and uh, get your thoughts about this game and then maybe we'll talk a little bit later about player selection so first of all let me come to you Lee um, are you brimming with confidence for this European final or now just a little bit concerned after Saturday first of all Tony uh, can I be critical in terms of why are we playing this final in this stadium um, in an area of France which is absolutely rife with COVID at the moment so that that concerns me to start with and also it's a stadium which isn't befitting of, of a final it's, it's it, like we can get 10, 10 man and his dog in there and that's you know it's why couldn't we have played this final somewhere else somewhere that would have been like fitting off a European final even though it is the Challenge Cup not the Champions Cup um, and it's just make more of a spectacle of it anyway that was let's put that one to the side um, well no I think I think it's a good because it, I, I believe it's a French second division stadium that holds 6,000 yeah. people now I know there's 6, not 000. there's not going to be a crowd there um, but it does seem a little bit odd that 
the the backdrop to this you know game across uh, you know two exciting teams for the uh, you know the bar one biggest European game of the season um, is in such a a, a small. Um, without being disrespectful, almost insignificant stadium um, compared to you know where where it was going to be um, if before COVID. So anyway, I mean, who who even chose that venue for for a final venue anyway? I mean, it's surely there must be better options in. France. We know there's a lot better options in France. So. Yeah. Well, it seems seems to me that there must have been some kind of rule that whoever was first seed, top seed uh, in the yeah. final, they were going to have the, the 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 game in their home country, but not at their home stadium. So, um, you know, have they they just looked for the closest stadium or within a certain uh, you know um, area to 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 their home stadium? Because obviously Exeter are playing Racing ninety two at Ashton Gate, which will probably be the the only time Ashton yeah. Gate hosts a um, a, a uh, European until next year. Cup, cup until final. next year, you mean? Well, it'll be in Marseille next year. They've already said that where it should have been course, this yeah, year. And yeah. let's face it, if if crowds are back in, they're going to want a bigger stadium to to host these games. So uh, anyway, it would be great. It's you know one for Ashton Gate for the history of the the stadium to say that we've we've had a Champions Cup final there. But anyway, Lee. Stadium, I agree with you. Not sure why it's there, but how how confident are you feeling about this game coming up on Friday? I am confident, same. I'm confident because, in all honesty, I think Bordeaux are a better side than Toulon are. Um, I mean, we we obviously we know that they've got great players, Toulon, but I think that Bordeaux for for me was the toughest task. And you know, you know, I know we had a lot of luck to get through that semi-final, but we got there. And I, and I, I, I'm, I am optimistic that we're going to bring in the first European Cup to back to Bristol. I really am. And, and Pete, what do you think? I mean, so far, Toulon in the league, they've played four games. Um, they've won both home games, but lost both uh, games away. They sit third in the table on nine points. Um, so not a a bad start to the season, but they're certainly not tearing the uh, the the the, the pro four, uh, top fourteen up. Um, are, you, are you confident we can do a job over there? Yeah, I am. I'm confident because I think our experience of, of, of Saturday will help us. Uh, because I think it's possible that some of our players didn't quite appreciate the urgency of a kind of knockout situation and, and I know Bordeaux was a big game but it was at home wasn't it but we're talking about a, a knockout situation where you're not at home and you know you've really got to concentrate you've really got to be on point and I think we'll I think we'll <laughs> I know we say this all the time but I genuinely think we will get some learnings out of Saturday that we can take on to Friday my only concern is that I mean, some of these players are, are, are got to be tired, haven't they? Mm. Um, and they're not going to be as fresh as maybe some of the French players will be because they've, you know, they've played four games, as you said, but they had quite a big break before. But I just think we have to believe in ourselves. You know, we even against Wasps, you know, we talked about the fact there were moments of brilliance and there were moments of, and then it could have been a different result. And 
I, I think we got it. We got it. What's the What's the point of going to a final and not expecting us to win? I mean, you, you earn the right to be there. You, you earn the right to 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 to, to be a winner. Um, I just wonder whether Pat might be a little bit more pragmatic in his game plan and just look at what happened on Saturday and think, you know, did we commit enough men to the ruck early on? I, I just wonder whether we were trying to. You know, there's two ways of looking at it. You either kind of close the game down a little bit and keep it tight and then hope that the second half you, you run it out or you try and blitz early on. And I, I, I just think maybe my prediction is maybe a little, a few more players committing to a ruck, keeping it a little bit tighter in hand before we try and spin it, maybe a little bit more tactical kicking. Um, but then again... It's not the way we've been doing things, is it? So it's going to be an interesting one. But yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm confident to win it. I'm going to disagree with Pete on this one. I think we need to do the opposite. I think we, against Toulon, I think we need to play the Bristol way. Because I think that if we keep it tight, I think it would suit them. Because I watched the Scarlets game and I mean, that, you couldn't get any tighter than that. It was... Uh, it was the Ferris Bueller, um, the, 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 the diamond analogy. And it was, it just played into Toulon's hands completely. And I think we need, against them, I think we need to play, the, play our way, play the Bristol way, open things up. Mm. And, and, and what, what the excitement if we do that, I think it'll be brilliant. I really do. Well, let, let's let, let's think about team selection then. Um, obviously, Chris Vui went off um, halfway through the second yeah. half, and normally he's a player that sees out the full eighty minutes. So certainly, there's some concern there. Um, Nathan Hughes barnstorming game. I wasn't quite sure whether he he had a knock in the end when he you know coming coming off. Um, you know, I think there will be some tired legs. We haven't really heard from the club. I mean, we're recording this on Sunday night. It's about ten past eight now on Sunday night. We haven't heard what the the kind of knocks and injury situation will be. Uh, but I, I'd be surprised if all twenty three have come through completely unscathed. There, well, we know Chris Vuey mm-hmm. has has picked up some kind of knock. So let, let let me come to you then, Lee. What what changes do you see? To uh, let's just concentrate on that starting fifteen. Who who do you think is going to come come in? Who who might drop out? I mean, like Pete had said earlier, it, this is difficult to to be able to judge this because we like we're doing this part on. Sunday evening, so we don't know the extent of injuries or players that might have been had a niggle and can come through. Um, I mean, I, I guess it, it did worry me when you said about Vui it come off because obviously, I mean, he never ever comes off, does he? Unless there's something seriously wrong. So I think he he unfortunately might be a doubt for the week uh, for, for for Friday night. Um, but then I, I guess. If if Philly doesn't play, then you know, do we um, do we bring in maybe Atwood or do we bring in Holmes? I mean, Holmes has been fantastic. I mean, we've we've got options in every area, haven't we? Um, I, I I don't know. It's 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 so difficult because we don't know who's going to be out yet for 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 sure. You know. And who we might bring in. Um, I think Sinclair is going to play. 
for sure. Going to start? Yeah, I think Sinclair will start. Um, yeah, it's difficult again with O'Connor. Do we do we keep O'Connor? Will he play on the wing again, or do we bring Alapati in? Um, it's 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 a difficult, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of options open at the moment. I, I think uh, I think Alapati will start after that. I think he's solid, solid, safe pair of hands. Knows what he's doing. Uh, knows how to play big games. I think Pat will be that. That'll be the first one on his list, and he'll probably in his mind think I should have done that on uh, Saturday. And I think Holmes will be definite starter. He only came on in the second half, as you said, Lee. He's been brilliant. If there is any doubt. Well, I mean, even if he's injured, I think Holmes would play either way because Joycey came off, didn't he? And yeah, he didn't have his greatest yeah. game. Probably looked a bit disappointed. But don't don't um, you think, Pete, that Atwood was not in the squad? He's not listed as injured. Have, have they kept so, him fresh for this game to have a yeah, a seasoned head there in the engine room, pot- yeah, potentially playing? Yeah, I mean, with, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, okay, yeah, let, let, okay, let's let, let's say if if Bowie is has got a knock. Then it will be Atwood and Holmes. Yeah. If Vui is fit, then you're probably right. It could be Vui, Atwood, and Holmes on the bench again. But or it could be. I don't know, yeah, you're right. Atwood's not exactly kind of an impact player, is he? I think he's. You know, if he's fit, he's in. I mean, um, this is the beauty of having this squad now, isn't it? I mean, if Hughes is out, Earl plays eight, and then Dan Thomas comes in at seven, Luatua at six. Yeah. I think. Um, I think. There's slight concern of a hooker, isn't there? It depends mm. how hard to cape on and burn, what the extent mm. of their injuries are, because Thacker had to put in, basically, they had to keep him on the pitch, didn't they? Uh, as yeah. much as they could, because, I mean, no disrespect to young Kloska, but I bet, you know, he did come on in the end, didn't he? And he ended up playing hooker, but Thacker ended up playing flanker, didn't he? So um, I think that's a slight concern. Um, because Thacker, I mean, I know he's a, we we love him to bits, but if he doesn't feel he's got backup, you know, as good as it might be, or the, you know, it's it's a difficult one. Um, if you go with what I said about the way we're going to play, which Lee totally disagreed with, which is hundred percent fair, I'd probably start with Uren as scrum, as scrum half. But if you go with the way Lee talks, I wonder whether Randall might start. Uh, I think Sheedy will start. I think he's still. Pat's number one fly off. Um, semi, obviously, in the middle. Piatau again. I think we have to have them. And like the question is, is, is Big Charles fit? Is he, have they been holding him back in some sort of, you know, what are those ice chambers <laughs> to make sure a he's. A blanket. Uh, yeah, like a padded blanket. Because although Malins has been brilliant, you know, I, I think if Charles is fit, he will start. And Malins will be on the bench as a as an impact player, either at fly half or at or at fullback. I think. Um, to know, Tone, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean that's the big question for me. Purdy and um, Charles Piatau. Uh, Purdy, I think, was a hamstring, so he might be struggling to to, to, to be fit for that. Um, yeah. Achilles for. Um, Charles Piatau, I suppose the pressure's off a little bit when when you've got Malins, who has played uh, pretty well at that fullback role. So, uh, but yeah, I think if Charles is fit, 
Uh, I if you go I back to what, what you said about Sinclair, I mean, we're paying him a lot of money. <laughs> so well, if he no. is fit, we, we want him on there, don't we? He is fit. He's, you know, he's made the most metres in the league this season. You know, he, he is a player that can change things. Mullins is too, but in a in a different way. So uh, I, I, I would see that um, if he is fit, that, that Charles Piatau would start. I think Atwood's definitely in there. If Vui uh, isn't fit, then I think it will be Holmes. Um, to to pair up there, um, I, I I just wonder maybe whether Dan Thomas will get a start at seven and Ben Earl um, uh, either will be on the bench or potentially uh, if if Nathan uh, doesn't play at, at eight. I think Sinclair will start in the front row. Um, I think he's got to. I think, you know, every team, every time we've struggled this season, or certainly since lockdown, it's because we give teams head starts. Because we make some silly mistakes, we give away some penalties, we concede early tries. You know, I I think for this game, we need to to be uh, 20 minutes as a minimum, kind of on level terms. Um, you know, I don't want to see us chasing a 10 or 13 point gap, um, you know, with 20 minutes before halftime. Um, so yeah. we've either got to, you know, your two, two, two suggestions, we either have to start solid and lock it down or, you know, we need to go for them and try and put some early scores on. And I actually, I think I tend to agree more with Lee. I think that will suit uh, that will be better against this particular opposition. I think we should have done the the former against Wasps. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it will be fascinating to see. Obviously, a concern at Hooker, like like you said, Pete, George Kloska, uh, a very talented player, but with very, very little experience um, uh, in the first team, um, which does put that extra responsibility on Thacker. And I know Thacker got knocked to the ground a couple of times yeah. and was a bit slow getting up. So you, you just hope... Uh, that he 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 is going to be okay and fit for that because if Burn and Capon uh, are missing, then you know that could uh, that could well cause Plus problems was, for us. That was a calculated risk that Pat took mm. to have Kloster on the bench because Burn and Capon, you know, perhaps not the worst injuries, but definitely needed two weeks yeah. to recover. Yeah. And he just thought, I yeah. can't even risk any sort of amplification of their injury by being on the bench and it's time for Big George with his big red cheeks to come on yeah. and, uh, hey, and, hey. and be the man. Boys, you know who plays number eight for Toulon though, don't you? No. It's the legend himself, Crazy. Mm. Is it? So, yeah. if he starts, if he starts and Big Nathan is fit, I'll <laughs> be a big that, yeah. that, that could be that could be a hell of a matchup. Or if if Big Nathan isn't fit, Ben Earl plays at eight. Then I think Sergio is going to be um, hopefully going to be doing a lot of running around the pitch, chasing shadows. Well, that that certainly could be the clash of the titans. Okay, boys, time to uh, put your um, predictions are down. Uh, let me come to you first, Lee. What is your prediction for the European Challenge Cup final on Friday? Right, I don't know if this is just optimism or no. I I, I think I'm I think we're going to bring home the silverware. I really do, and I'm going to go for a thirty-four sixteen victory for the Bears. 
All right, okay, 34-16. I think it will be incredibly tight. I am going for a 21 points to 20 victory for Bristol. Uh, Pete, would you give me your prediction? And then uh, I will ask you after that for Miles's. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one thing we didn't mention is we always score from uh, a kind of rolling ball from a line don't we so I think we'll definitely have one of them I think we'll score three tries so that's 315 a couple of conversions I'm going to say 25 but I think I agree with you I think it's a big big occasion in a, in a terrible ground and, and it's going to be quite hard to manage the game so I think they're going to score a few as well so I'm going to go for 25-20 25-20, okay. And knowing Miles's um, uh, knowledge of, of rugby, which, let's be fair, is maybe not quite as extensive as uh, some pundits in the country, what do you think Miles would predict, Pete? Well, he said to me, he thought my prediction on Jeff's show on Friday was brilliant. So you know what? Miles has gone for a 43-40 win to Bristol with Callum Sheedy winning it with a drop goal off both, both posts at the end. Well there we are. I think if, <laughs> if, if that if that proves if that proves to be true then um <laughs> Uh, that 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 will probably be the greatest Challenge Cup final uh, in in history. And I should say, Lee, that if anybody gets the scores completely right, they they will be awarded five points. So um, oh no no no! Don't, you don't, can, don't, you don't, cannot do that at the end of the season. Don't, don't don't engrave the trophy just yet. But what a fabulous night uh, that will be! I'm sure everyone, uh, Bristol Bears fans, in the city and across the world will be on the edge of their seats uh, for this game Uh, you know everything crossed that Bristol bring that trophy home because what an amazing um, end to the season that would be right you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podbean Buzzsprout and many many more platforms if you like what you hear please leave a review or a rating for the show you can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com on Twitter we're bearsbeyondgate and on Facebook you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page well of course with all the the build up to the European final and of course that 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 semi-final that we witnessed on Saturday there was another monumental mark in the season something that fans always look forward to and that's the unveiling of the kit so I think it was uh, Thursday as predicted by us on Wednesday night I should say on our Twitter feed um, Thursday the home kit was presented to us um, great to see that both uh, players from the men and women's team were modelling it and also could I say thank you to the club because they have listened to what we've been saying and many fans have been saying and there is a, a women's fit for both the home and away shirts and then on Friday we saw the away shirts uh, revealed um, and on our uh, Twitter we asked our, our listeners the people that follow us on Twitter we we did two polls one for the home shirt one for the away shirt and we gave people the options of love it looks good mm, not sure or not for me so for the home shirt um, we had 41% saying love it 36% said looks good 11% not sure and 12% not for me and for the away shirt 
Love it was 57%, looks good 24%, not sure 10% and not for me 9%. So looking at those figures, um, overall that's a, a, a reasonably big thumbs up I think for the kit. So roughly 4 out of 5 fans that took part in the poll were positive about the designs. Um, before we talk about it any further though, um, Miles can't be with us tonight, uh, he's, he's working Working, but as our, our res resident fashion expert, we did uh, ask him to uh, record his thoughts. So let's listen to them now. Hi, lads. Sorry I can't be with you on the phone this evening to deliver my expertise opinion on yesterday's game, but I'm working and saving lives once more. However, as it bears beyond the gates aficionado on all things wearable to come out of the new expert Umbro range, I thought I'd give my expert opinion since we were only wondering when we might see the new first team shirt. Like you all, I was glued to my phone at 11am this week and bang on cue, a newfangled piece of cloth was cast before my eyes. Well, initial thoughts were it looked a bit messy and psychedelic, but my eyes have adjusted over the weekend and it's growing on me, unlike the £70 price tag. I think it's one I may well buy once we are allowed back in the stadium. However, I'm not parting with 70 notes yet, only to be wearing it on my sofa as we continue to watch our fine team on the TV. I'd also like to see it in the flesh and examine its quality once it appears in the club store. As for the away shirt, well, I suppose we should have expected another predominantly white shirt, but I'm not too keen on the graphics, and the Bristol bear appearing from around the side of the shirt makes it look like I've got a grizzly bear growing out of my spleen. This is not one for me, and I'm amazed my good friend and co-presenter Lee has already ordered one, bearing in mind the amount of beer stains his last year's white shirt sustained. I'm pleased that both fan versions do appear to have an embroidered bear badge on, but that's still a hard justification for the steep price tag. Anyway, signing off for now, lads, and can't wait for my next clothing assignment. Cheerio. Well, there we are. Um, that, that was an interesting uh, recording there by Miles. I think somewhere between um, John Betjeman and Gok Wan, really. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so... Um, let, let me come to uh, you first, Pete. Um, what, what, what do you make of these, uh, these kits? Are they uh, a thumbs up for you or a thumbs down? Well, before I do that, I mean, clearly Miles was, had, written, had spent ages writing out that little script, hadn't he? And he was, like, reading it line for line on, his, on a piece of paper. It sounded like, you know, when, like, a kid does a little GCSE presentation uh, in class. But, you know, fair dues. Uh, for me, I like it, Tone. I liked I liked the training gear last week. I liked the uh, the, the home kit. I know there was a bit of uh, disappointment, perhaps, amongst some fans that it wasn't as traditional in terms of blue and white. But we, you get that with the away kit. Uh, I think that you know it, it kind of fits in with the trajectory of of, of the rebranding. Uh, something slightly different, but sort of it's not massively different to the one we've had this week in terms of the colouring so, uh, this year, I should say. So, uh, big fan. 70 quid I'll probably go and buy one won't I but yeah that's their clubs you know we start moaning about how much these things cost it's like you know wake up you know it's not it's not sports direct is it you know they're bound to charge loads of money because that's how they make money so so I, it's a thumbs up from me I was one of the I was one of the thumbs up in your uh, in your poll Tony 
Okay, Lee, I think you, you've already, uh, as Miles alluded to there, you, you've already uh, paid up and uh, purchased one of the shirts. Which which one did you go for? I did, Tony. I, it, and it, also, it was a thumbs up for both kits for me, both shirts. I loved, I loved the home shirt and I loved the, the away shirt. Um, Miles is right, though, to be fair. Uh I should have learnt my lesson from beer stains on the uh, on the white away shirts, but I, I mean, I traditionally I kind of I just love the, the the white shirts. It goes well with jeans. You could wear it out to to the pub, and um, yeah, I, I went down the shop and well, I didn't go down the shop actually. I I ordered it online, pre-ordered it, and I think the. The guy in the shop said they were going to be in by the end of October and then two weeks after uh, they'll be in the club shop. So, yeah, massive fan. I, I, I thought both shirts were really, really nice and 70 quid, you know, that's kind of par for the course nowadays, isn't it? So, Hang on, yeah, I was, saying I was pleased. You you're saying you actually haven't got it? I haven't got it. No, it's. Oh, I thought it's, you had it. I thought you'd gone no, and bought it and were wearing it. No, you had to pre-order it. You had to pre-order oh, it. Oh God! So, that sounds yeah, like one of my shambles with my blooming face mask. I mean, good luck, mate. It'll be about a month before you get that. <laughs> well, I thought you'd bought I, it, Lee. Well, I you did go to the. I, I did go to the shop, and well, I they asked, didn't have any. Oh. And and um, no, the end of this month they'll be <sighs> in. They'll be in for pre-orders, and then two weeks after, they're out. But yeah, it'd be, I'll still get it before you do, Pete. Pete, you, you, you've got to look. You've got to. You, you're a teacher. You should read everything on the paper before making your decisions. It was very clear that this was a pre-order, um, and they weren't in the shop yet. Um, so. Um, Yes. All I look at is I look at the headline. I've got time to read that. Tony, I'm a busy man. I look at email comes in, home shirts out, boom. You would have thought they're all there waiting for him. I was I was expecting one with my name on the back already. I couldn't. Mm. Be, I can't believe that. There we go. Well, I think the the only thing for me, I, I agree with you, Pete. Absolutely, that. Um, you know, it's 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 probably the most modern look that we've had for um, for shirts, uh, and does fit in with uh, the rebrand. The only slight disappointment I had with the the home shirt, my my only observation really, um, is when you look at it at the back of it, it's it's completely plain blue, and I would just like to have seen that that red pattern wrap round a little bit onto to the back of the shirt. Because yeah, it, it almost looks like it, it, it's a different shirt from the back to to what it is on the front. Um, where I think the the away shirt, the the the, the kind of geometric pattern, or, or or the I don't know what you call it really, the, the the red and blue on the shoulder does kind of wrap round a little bit onto the flecking. back, flecking, yeah. flecking, fleck, uh, the fleck, it's flecking. Fleckles. Um, so, so they've that, done a flecking good job. They have. So that was my my only observation. I I think they are two um, two good looking kits. Um, it would be very interesting to see whether we go for something uh, out of the ordinary for the European kit. Often clubs do have a 
completely different colour for the European kit. I've no idea when, when that's going to be made available. I would imagine it will be a little while yet before we see that released. I, I, I do think, though, that the £70 and £50 for a kid's shirt is a little bit steep. And um, I had... Uh, we had some uh, friends with us today in Bristol, our, our, and actually you know him, Richard, our Glo- Gloucester Rich, fan. Our, our Gloucester buddy. Our Gloucester buddy, who was telling me that obviously the Gloucester shirts were available when um, we played them um, uh, back uh, whenever that was, five, six weeks ago. Um, the adult shirt is £55 and the kids' shirt 40 quid. So yeah, um, and, and, and the Gloucester shirts are lovely, to be fair, they always are. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the the home kit is really really good. Having said that, I think uh, Lee, you saw it as well. What a what a saucy new shirt the French team have launched this week. I mean, that really to me, you know, I, when I saw that come up on my Twitter feed, I thought, yeah, that is a great shirt. Tony, can I say? I, I mean, that shirt absolutely typified everything I wanted in a rugby shirt. It was. It was classic. It it was simple, but oh my goodness! I mean, the French do rugby shirts so well, don't they? they, they it was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful shirt. It really was. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw that Saracens have launched their kit for next season, uh, which I've got to say, a really nice home and away kit. But it's interesting that their sponsor was the Saracens Foundation. Um, now I wonder, does that mean that commercial um, organisations have still stayed well clear of them, or, or have they taken that decision themselves to um, have a safe sponsor on their shirts for for next year? But uh, regardless of that, uh, very nice kits. Uh, well, that's almost it for for this week. I just wanted to say as well. Obviously, we've got a new shirt sponsor. Uh, Too Good International uh, are no longer on the front and we've got Ravenscroft which uh, um, of course Steve Lansdowne is the non-executive chairman so having said that we've got you know Saracens um, Foundation obviously Steve Lansdowne uh, has had quite a big say in um, (laughs) I would imagine Ravenscroft taking the um, uh, sponsorship over this year but uh, actually it's quite a nice I quite like the logo that uh, they've got um, just a couple of more quick points from me. Um, great campaign this week. Um, I forget who it was, so apologies. Uh, but to, to try and get the boys up for uh, the big games that we've got and obviously the Challenge Cup final, um, we're encouraging fans to send a postcard to show your support to the team to the High Performance Centre. So um, if you haven't seen that on social media, we'll um, share that uh, tweet again so you can see the address. Um, so I think it would be great to uh, get a few of those in the post. Uh, and I think also, it was Rachel, Tony. It, it, yeah, I, Rachel, Rachel Pierce. Rachel Pierce. Rachel Pierce. So well done, Rachel. Uh, and uh, she even apparently she got on. I read something on Facebook. She she was interviewed uh, by Big Jeff Twenty Men before was. the game about it. Fa- so fantastic. Fair dues. So I I've sent one behalf on behalf of the podcast. So uh, if you if you haven't seen it or or you haven't done it yet, do send a postcard to to the boys. And the other thing I just want to to mention the Royal British Legion of. Uh, out their poppy collection for this year and there is a, a nice enamel badge um, which has the poppy and the bristol bears logo on it so um you know if you want to um 
uh, have a 2020 poppy badge with the Bristol Bears logo next to it. Um, Those are available online now and we'll also in the next day or so um, put a link to that in our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Well, that's it for this show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to review the European Challenge Cup final and hopefully we'll all be revelling in the Bears clinching their inaugural European title and the first major trophy for Bristol since 1983. So until next week, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.